Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Now, we have a really exciting episode for you today. This is the third installment of Favorites with Friends. And once again, my name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann, and we're delighted today to have Matthew Tussaroni on the show. We've been a big fan of his ever since we really discovered what it is that he does. For those of you guys that aren't aware, um, Matthew is the creator of the YouTube channel Major Third, which releases these excellent videos that are all about game music, whether it's about a composer or a specific track. He, we love it because he utilizes things like music theory, and it's done in a very academic way that it's really kind of like teaching you a little history lesson or something. I absolutely love it. So, Matthew, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks. Glad to be here. Uh, I love this show, and it just has the same kind of feeling I kind of like to go with for my show. So I'm really glad to be on, and you two seem like some pretty cool guys. So Yeah, yeah it seems like this would be a marriage. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. <laughs> a marriage made in heaven. Mm. Yeah, and all it's kind of cool. All three of us had the opportunity of being on that uh, behemoth episode of Train Station at 8 that had like 10 people yeah. on it, so that was pretty fun. It worked a lot better than we were, I, was, I was expecting, you know, 10 people on Skype. Yeah, that's for yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, so similar to how we did in the past, this is our third installment of Favorites with Friends. These episodes are very unique because we take a little bit more of a personal look at our guests' favorite video game music, and we talk about their own experiences, maybe from when they were a kid, when they were first introduced to some of these great themes and similar to our previous installments we ask our guests to bring in about 17 or 18 tracks and today Matthew brought in 18 of his all-time favorite video game music and what was really cool is Matthew actually divided this into three separate eras um, of his life starting with childhood which will be really fun to approach it that way so what you guys heard playing in with was Shadows of the Empire and that came out for the N64 that track was Zyzer's Palace by Joel McNeely now Matthew why don't we start off with that track do you remember when you first played Shadows of the Empire? Um, well, it was uh, Shadows of the Empire was a launch title, I'm pretty sure, for the N64. Otherwise, it was a really early one. But Yeah, it was. I was maybe five or six. Um, one of my first memories oh my is... One of my first memories is being at um, my best friend's sixth birthday party, and we played Shadows of the Empire there. Um, nice. It's a horrible game, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's very it's, choppy, I remember. It's not good, but... All I remember is the first Hoth level, and it mm -hmm. was just like, oh, cool, you get to do that classic scene, and then the rest of it's like, wow, I don't want to play this clunky game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, (laughs) It's... You know, it's Star Wars, and I was like, I love Star Wars, and it's really funny to um, me that a six-year-old was playing that game. I don't know why, but it just makes yeah, me laugh. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have been, but I'm. It wasn't <laughs> my game. It was it was my friends, mm-hmm. and I think his parents were just like, oh, it's a Star Wars game, whatever. Yeah, Star and, Wars is for everyone. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was it was it was a really cool game at the time. You know, you basically play as you know knockoff store brand Han Solo, right, <laughs> and. Shadows of the Empire in general was just kind of interesting because it was like a, a huge event that Star Wars did before the prequels. Yeah, that right. was kind of supposed to be like a, a standalone story. And the music in it is actually, the whole album was created for Shadows of the Empire by, um, what was it, Joel McNeely or something like that? Mm-hmm. The guy that did the music. But they made this whole album just based on like the books and the stories that went So this it. is separate from the game you're saying? It is, but in the game, they um, the music none of the music sequenced in it. It's all really, mm-hmm. really bad, compressed in sixty four style. Uh, 
recording actual yeah. audio um, from the Star Wars movies, and some of it was from the uh, the album. Mm-hmm. Am I saying it right, Joel McNeely? Yeah, Is Joel that... McNeely. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Okay, just making sure because I literally I just found out all of this a few years ago. Ah. I heard it constantly, but. One day I was like, you know, I want Wonder the Shadows of the Empire. That had good music, but it was mostly from the movies, right? No, but- yeah, it's it, it's really cool, and that's interesting to know that it, it really the you know, music had nothing to do with the game originally. Well, mm-hmm. let's get into it here. We're gonna start with the first track we'll talk about from the childhood era. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is Bomberman Hero again for the N sixty four. Sensing some N sixty four influence in this early part. Uh, this track <laughs> that Matthew wanted us to play is Redial by the wonderful Jun Shikuma. Now, uh, a little bit of context before we play this track, Matthew. Um, well, Bomberman was another huge part of my childhood. And honestly, Bomberman 64 is the one I played more, but Bomberman Hero uh, is a really weird entry in Bomberman. It's completely different. It doesn't have the same... Um, the, there's one composer, I forgot his name, but he's composes almost all of them. Or she, I guess. Jun Chikuma, composes, right? Jun Chikuma is for this game, but um, there's another composer that does it for almost all the other Bomberman games who didn't for this one uh, for some reason. But this game basically introduced me to like breakbeat and techno and and stuff like that, which is nuts because it's a you know Bomberman game. A very funny way to get introduced to that kind of music. Well, let's yeah. let's start things off with Redial from Bomberman Hero. You guys are listening to Redial from Bomberman Hero for the 64, composed by John Shikuma. This is cool. Yeah, I have been a lot more familiar with uh, the soundtrack to Bomberman 64 for the past few years. Uh, mm. Bomberman Hero, oh, I have right. heard this song before, like the first 10 seconds. I must not have given it its proper chance, though, because I'm really a big fan of some of the later kind of jazzy chord changes that we're hearing here. This is this is a cool track. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good one. Um, there's so much like breakbeat stuff in in the game and it's mm-hmm. the reason that i really love breakbeat nowadays sure um which is funny because a lot of games from the 90s had a very 90s flair to them and this is no exception but it's definitely a different 90s flair right than usually. that's for sure. sure yeah i always enjoy hearing those like really kind of almost public domain um electronic drum samples that you hear in so mm-hmm. many tracks but you're hearing it on the n64 so it's like right. it's even more chopped up and compressed it's <laughs> it's funny yeah something that i really loved about this track was the bass it has no timbre no attack no articulation it's it almost just is just sub like bass. sub bass yeah it's that's just all that frequency yeah. so it's like something that you really kind of feel it but you don't necessarily it's, hear it as a musical part as much as if it were like an instrument it's the junk in the trunk bass it, it's the kind of the bass <laughs> yeah. that you turn it up in your car when you're when you're rolling down the street absolutely right. 
Yeah, that's a cool track and a cool way to start the, start things off. So now mm-hmm. let's move on to uh, the next game that Matthew picked from his childhood era. Uh, we're going to the handheld here. We're going to The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Wonderful soundtrack. And yes. the track, really fun game. The track that you chose, one of your favorites from this game, was Tall Tall Heights by mm-hmm. one of Will's favorites, Kazumi Tataka. Uh, what about this track uh, kind of resonated with you back then? Uh, well, because... It was this was the first Zelda game that I really got into myself. I remember oh, cool. I, I watched my brother play. Uh, that's the thing. I actually didn't play or even see the original Zelda until I was mm-hmm. in probably middle school. Really? But I remember watching my brother play um, uh, Link to the Past a whole lot and I watched him play all the way through Ocarina of Time. And, um, but this was the first game that I play personally. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching him play it too as much as you can watch someone play a Game Boy but I just remember loving it. I love the music. And the thing I loved about this is that it has the Zelda theme kind of incorporated into it. Yes. But it really has cool enough, but it has enough of its own style to, to carry it. So cool. Well, with that said, let's take a listen to tall, tall heights from Link's awakening. guys are listening to Tall Tall Heights from Link's Awakening, and the soundtrack was composed by Katsumi Tataka, as well as Kozo Ishikawa, Minako Hamano, and Yuchi Azaki. This is a really interesting and really pivotal arrangement of that main theme. Will, you were talking about some things that you hear in a lot of arrangements. What I thought was interesting is that uh, I hear a little bit of Dark World influence in some of the chord progression totally. in this one. But yeah, that's what's kind of cool. Uh, it, it gives it a little bit more bite, a little bit more minor feel to it, yes. which is great. But something melodically that it does to that motif, the wonderful Zelda theme, is something that I've heard in a lot of subsequent arrangements. It's the da 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 yeah, mm-hmm. as far as, to my knowledge, I think this is the first thing that yeah, um, it would have been the f- It would have been the first non-Koji Kondo Zelda soundtrack. Exactly. So. Absolutely. And I tried to make it only one um, composer for each different song, mm-hmm. and it was hard to not do more than one Kazumi Tsutaka. Right. <laughs> I, I love... Kazumi Tataka is becoming one of my favorite game composers. Yeah, he's just so great. The more, the more I hear of him, the more impressed i am i've been listening a lot to the uh yoshi story uh mm-hmm. soundtrack and just really interested with like he loves incorporating like sound effects with music and well stuff. and then there's then there's the tataka song which is such a cool little piece of game folklore <laughs> right but i don't know he definitely does seem to be slightly underrated as far as like mm-hmm. 
you know, like as the years go on, you start to realize that he really is one of the greats, you know, at Nintendo. And um, I feel like a lot of people might not even be familiar with his name, so it's definitely unfortunate. But yeah, cool track, awesome soundtrack. Let's move on. We're going to now move on to the GameCube. So this was a game that came out in, I believe, 2004-ish or so. This is mm-hmm. Star Fox Assault, In uh, Matthew brought in Theme of Great Fox. This soundtrack was composed by Yoshi Araka and Yoshinori Kawamoto. Now talk a little bit about maybe when you first played this game and uh, kind of what hit you about this theme. I chose this one because this is probably my favorite uh, one of my favorite Star Fox things, mm-hmm. but the main Star Fox game I played was 64, right. um, like a lot of people. And um, and the thing, I, the great thing about Assault is that so many of the tracks in it are just remixes of um, N64. But, but they're it, such good arrangements, aren't they? Incredible arrangements. It's really beautiful. Like like this one's an arrangement of what, like the the practice mode or something yeah and like that, that original theme is kind of it sounds random and kind of clunky and here it's this gorgeous so kind of orchestral march i love it mm-hmm. well let's take a listen to theme of great fox from star fox assault You guys are listening to Theme of Great Fox from Star Fox Assault, uh, based on music originally composed by Hajime Wakai for 64. Um, obviously, some new material here by um, Arakawa and Kawamoto. This is absolutely wonderful. It's one of the great examples where you take not a throwaway piece of music, but a music that no one really, I, I don't think anyone was like in love with it back on the 64. Yeah, not much affinity for and, the training mode. And dude. then all of a sudden now, it's just, it feels like this classic Star Fox theme that holds up with any of the great themes in this series. It's wonderful. Yeah, Star Fox is, uh, that's a series that I feel like has been much neglected uh, in, in, <laughs> but not especially for in recent years, but yeah, but apparently, ho- hopefully not for too much longer. <laughs> right. I love 64, I played the crap out of it, Assault was also really good, probably the next best, next to maybe the original Yep. in my mind, and that's pretty much it when it comes to good Star Fox games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's really not a lot to work with. Uh, you have the, the DS game, which in some ways was trying to incorporate some some of the elements of the canceled Star Fox 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's unfortunate that, that that Star Fox 2 was canceled. It's unfortunate that we haven't seen uh, the series recently. But any any predictions, guys, from what we can expect in the music of the new Star Fox? Who do you think is going to come back well, for it? I really, I really hope more of this. I mean, something yeah. that I just absolutely adore about what uh, these two composers added in the arrangement. If you notice, like, uh, the French horn line that's sort of operating as an inner voice while the melody is playing is just doing this slow chromatic run down, and it really <laughs> gives sort of a deep kind of rich harmonic color to this melody that, you know, you're right, Carl, it, it does feel a little bit kind of like a throwaway thing at least just in the presentation of how it was done in 64 but here you really kind of hear the richness of the melody so Mm -hmm. it would be awesome if they got these guys back together even though they were namco composers i mean Mm -hmm. smash brothers was 
uh, collaboration with Namco Bandai. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe yeah, no. Get these guys. Really cool pick. Now we're going to move on. We're going to go back to the 64. Not surprising here. So was the 64 the first console you ever had, Matthew? Uh, probably the Game Boy. But and like I remember the SNES a little bit, but mm-hmm. once I start like my first really big game memories involves in sixty four. Awesome. Well, yeah, this is an absolutely classic, not only soundtrack, but track to me. This is the first level of the, the second level, I should say, from GoldenEye 007. This is Facility, and it's definitely, for me, one of the most absolutely iconic pieces of music in this game. This game features a lot of remixes on the James Bond theme by Monty Norman, but every single one has some original elements in it. And really, when you think about the fact this game came out in 97, uh, I don't know, this stuff is still really cool now. I mean, as far as like how they took that theme and really kind of put you into the the shoes of James Bond. I mean, it's hard when you play this game now. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's clunky and it's old, but it still feels classic and it still feels uh, in a lot of ways like you're James Bond. So this is facility. Uh, This game was worked on by Grant Kirkhope and Graham Norgate. Let's take a listen. Classic. You guys are listening to Facility from GoldenEye 007 for the 64. Uh, I believe this is one of Grant's uh, tracks that he he did, and I love just knowing, you know, from our interview that Grant, you know, in the, in the classic opening of this game with that metal guitar, that's actually Grant playing that, and kind of having to splice it into all these little samples in order to make it fit on the 64. But that's actually one case where it doesn't sound that compressed. I mean, that guitar, I always thought sounded, especially at the time, it sounded so impressive. It was a great way to start off the game. But this is, I don't know, it feels like a lot more sophisticated than a lot of music I heard on the 64 at this time. What do you think, Matthew? Oh, yeah, it's it's really good. It's um, The the biggest thing with GoldenEye for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, um, is... You know, you. I just have a lot of memories of it being kind of the the game that all of the older cool kids played. Oh yeah. Because um, I was I was only like seven or eight whenever it came out. Um, but we had a really good friend, um, or my older brothers had a really good friend who he only had a Nintendo 64 with GoldenEye. You know what's funny is I have almost the exact same memory as that. I was <laughs> yeah. around the same yeah. age, maybe a couple years older than that. But mm-hmm. but yeah, my brother Marty had a friend, John, and he came over a lot with the 64. And I remember the first time seeing this, just being blown away. And I never really even wanted to dare to play it. I just was enjoying <laughs> watching it enough. I was just like, I don't even know what 
what I would do if I were to play this game. It, it was did too much. really seem like such an adult kind of game. And I remember now looking you guys back being on afraid it, to show it to me. Yeah, like, it, and it looking back, young. it's the most like innocent thing ever compared to what what's released nowadays. But yeah, cool, cool. Um, one of my first video game memories, like of my just playing like something by myself, not watching someone or something, is uh, we borrowed Goldeneye from the friend. And I was kind of scared to play it because I wasn't <laughs> I, w- I wasn't afraid of the game. I was a lot more scared of Zelda than I was of this, right? The, like the redeads and everything. But I was just scared of like you know dying and like I don't, I don't want to die in the game because I don't want to mess up everything. Well, you weren't as scared as Will was in Metroid Prime. I mean, it wasn't like a debilitating fear that you literally like didn't Dude, like you shut off the console. You want to know time. what's crazy? Two nights ago, I had like a nightmare about like <laughs> like dying in a Metroid Prime kind of thing. I so remember it's covering still my ears. At this point. That's a scary di- death in that game. I hate though. it so much. Like she so turns and goes white. Yeah, I close my ears. Yeah, I would run yeah. out of the room. I try to turn off the TV. I mean, this Awful. is pretty bleak too. You have blood coming down the screen yeah. for this game. So I mean, that is that's pretty intense for a seven year old. I will say. Yeah, but but <laughs> well, what I did to to kind of build myself up to it was there's all the cheats in the game right so i turned on the invincibility cheat and like just went through it like that it's like yeah i can't die um but then that got boring and i realized oh being able to die in the game makes it fun so right so it's kind of a profound moment for a kid (laughs) profound moment (laughs) yeah as you like, hey, maybe failure is not a bad thing. Failure makes things. Life is it, only good some, with and that, death. And that leads us to your <laughs> essay that you wrote about life. Uh, you know, lessons that you learned in life up from Golden. Yeah, you're a philosophy yeah. professor actually now. That's next major third is is what, how what Golden taught me about life. <laughs> now we're going to move on to the GameCube again. We're going back and forth some of the same systems. Makes mm-hmm. total sense, you know. You know, as you know, growing up, you don't have unlimited systems. You have kind of your home base. And we're going to go back to the GameCube for Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. I remember when this came uh. out. Uh, I remember being kind of excited. Not that I was really into the series, but. I was a GameCube owner, and I and I was rooting for the system to succeed. So I was happy that there was a Final Fantasy game uh, for the system. I was like hoping that it would really catch on. Uh, do you think this really caught on? Was this a big seller? I don't think it was. Like it probably sold okay, but yeah, it certainly wasn't as much as the big main mainline Final yeah. Fantasies. So Crystal Chronicles com- was composed by Kumi Tanioka, and the track that Matthew brought in was Moving Clouds on the River Surface. And I took a listen. This is a really pretty track. I remember I, this is another soundtrack where I had dabbled into checking out a few tracks but never really gave it that much time. Uh, is there anything you want to say about this particular track before we play it? It's, it's just beautiful. Like, you just got to listen to it. So let's just jump into it. Let's do it. This is Moving Clouds on the River Surface. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Moving Clouds on the River's Surface. I love that we still get 40-second loops, uh, even in the GameCube <laughs> era. It's really music is being yeah. composed in the same way it was on the Super Nintendo, which is a really good thing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, cool because you have real performance, which is yes. so rare in this era. I mean, it yeah. was all general MIDI, so this is cool. Uh, yeah, now that we've listened to the track, yeah. uh, what are some things, Matthew, to you that kind of s- stands out about this? Well, that's that's a big reason I chose this and the Star Fox one is because the GameCube should have had a lot more live instruments than it did. Yes. Um, but those those this, effing mini discs, right? Yeah, for real. This, but this game in particular was just massive in my appreciation for game music because I um, I got the game because I always liked the Final Fantasy series, um, especially in middle school because that's when mm-hmm. everyone likes Final Fantasy. But, um. <laughs> um more about that in a few tracks absolutely but, um but the thing i it was the first final fantasy game since i think six that was on a nintendo system and so i didn't i never bought the game i rented it and it had a cool kind of multiplayer thing with like hooking in the game boy advanced which right was dumb but the <laughs> multiplayer itself was a lot of fun because it's almost like a diablo-ish kind of game because it's like top down but i think this song was um you kind of traveled on like a world map to different areas. And sometimes when traveling between areas, you would have these little cutscenes that mm-hmm. um, with different characters that would recur and you'd see in different parts of your travels. But I think this was one of the ones for that. So that's kind of for the, the 40 so second. So there loop. was, yeah, there was online functionality in this game. Uh, no, I don't think so. But you would see, uh, like, NPC characters. I know there were a couple Nintendo games where they dabbled in online. Did it? I don't even remember if that ever actually took off or it was just LAN. I think it was just LAN for the GameCube. Uh, well, there was at least one. There was Fa- Fantasy Star Online 2. Right, I'm right. pretty sure. Or Fantasy, maybe just Fantasy Star Online. Because mm-hmm. it was originally a Dreamcast game that came to the uh, GameCube. And it had online. It also had good music, but well, I love this track that you picked. I think it's gorgeous. The instrumentation totally has that medieval sound. I mean, you have yes. that medieval flute or mm-hmm. like recorder, and then the uh, the lute doing the strumming bits. But what I also like, it's composed sort of in the Mixolydian mode. At mm-hmm. least the first two chord changes um, give you that modal quality, and I just think harmonically it walks a fine line of sounding medieval, but also not sounding like cliche. It really, and it fitting with Final Fantasy, it establishes its own sort of musical boundaries. That is Since there are within. so many tracks that are composed in that mode and evoking the exact same style, it's hard to make something that doesn't sound cliche. So I'm always impressed uh, when composers are able to do something that feels new and fresh. Uh, we're going to move on to the last track from the childhood era of Matthew Tisseroni. This is Pokemon <laughs> Gold and Silver, and the track that you brought in was Route 30, composed by the wonderful Pokemon composer mm-hmm. Junichi Masuda. Let's take a listen I to this. I remember this one. This is a wonderful track. Let's take a listen.
You guys are listening to Route 30 from Pokemon Gold and Silver by Janichi Masuda. So mm-hmm. this was really the first system you had. So so Pokemon, was that something, were you hugely into Pokemon as much as everyone that, at least in my generation, was? Or did you just kind of dabble in it? I really wasn't. Like, uh, uh, Pokemon, I think the same thing happens to a lot of people. They were into it as kids, and then yep. they stop being into it, and then they go to college, and then they're into it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> That, that happened to me. That's a I weird played, arc. There's not a lot of things that where you yeah, have that arc. I played uh, I played Crystal, which was the same generation as as, um, as Gold and Silver, so this song was right. in it. Gold, Silver, but, Crystal, um, right. Gold, Silver, Crystal. And it's a... it's It just means Pokemon. It's a, it was a huge part of a lot of people's lives, and it wasn't as huge in mine, but it's still, you know, the music still got caught in my head more than... I think right. I realized until mm-hmm. sometimes I would just be walking along and hear something slightly buzzing sounding and it would make me think of <laughs> Pokemon. Yeah, there's they're really um, with with Pokemon games, especially the first few, like there's so many uh themes that are just um, a variation of dun 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 like yeah. just they start, you know, really similarly. It's really kind of impressive right. in a way that Misuda was able to get that much mileage, have so many different tracks that really feel almost the same. Uh, well, it's funny because it's still sort of at this time video games in their infancy and seeing how different composers choose to... Because I'd say every game uses the idea of repetition. I mean, the tracks mm-hmm. themselves repeat, but most games use different themes and motifs. But I think it's interesting. Sometimes you'll have like the Koji Kondo approach, which is to rearrange the same melody in completely different ways. But I think this is an interesting approach of maybe... Uh, and it's also a little bit like we heard in the Link's Awakening track where you sort of start a piece with a familiar sounding melody and take it on a variation in a completely different direction. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple of compositional things that I feel like Masuda really does to establish what is Pokemon. One of the things is rhythmic, the dun, da-da-dun-dun, dun-da-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah. And it's then also like starting, starting a melody, like hanging on either a half note or maybe even a whole note sometimes, like on top of that is just that that feels like pokemon so so now we're going to move on to the next era this is um kind of more of when you were discovering game music maybe you started to become a little bit more of a nerd on game music and realize <laughs> wow i actually like the music of this separate from the game so is that kind of yeah. what this era represents to you yeah this kind of represents more middle school and high school where i was um like you know the internet was getting a lot bigger than it yep. was when i was a little kid and so I was going on the internet and seeing all these people talking about old games that I really should go play, and um, and I was discovering old game music that even if the game wasn't necessarily good, especially in the next case, um, <laughs> perfect the segue. Music was the music was really good. So 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 we're gonna start things off with Solstice by Tim Fallon, and you know mm. Tim Fallon almost had a contract where he could exclusively work on terrible games, yeah. uh, but. <laughs> But the the music's always great. This is the title theme from Solstice. Let's take a listen.
I think I finally yeah. understood why Tim Fallon uh, writes music this amazing for the NES. Because I think he was pissed off that he was working on these terrible games. And he's like, you know what? Screw this. I don't want to be working on the NES. So I'm just going to make music mm-hmm. that completely just sounds like the music I want to make and that's what he's doing here. Mm-hmm. He's almost like just slapping these people in the face that oh yeah, you think this is any... No, <laughs> it's not NES at all. Like, it starts off like kind of plunky and like simple and then all of a sudden it's like, like Matthew, what were you saying when, when we were listening to this? We listened to it and it's like, oh hey, it's a little NES game. It's like, hey, just kidding, it's a Yes album. Exactly. <laughs> just so proggy and he's just like almost soloing the whole time and, and it's such a long track mm-hmm. too. For the NES, it's just unheard of. It is. Yeah, this this track came along whenever I was, or okay, came along in like the 80s, but <laughs> I heard it. I heard it whenever I was in high school, and when I was in high school, I was really into 70s prog rock, especially Yes and right. um, Emerson Lake and Palmer. Oh, yeah. And Rush is more 80s, but... Yeah, that's yeah. when I got into Yes, too, as well. I, I remember actually being in... My high school had a weird class where it was called Audio Tech, and part of it was actually theory, and then the other part of it was we actually could learn how to record. And there's this one kid who... It's always funny, like, in ninth grade, there'd be, like, a stoner. It's like, really? In ninth grade? But, he, like, he was a total <laughs> yeah. stoner in ninth grade and he was like he knew about all these like 70s prog bands like yeah bro you gotta check out yes and i was like mm-hmm. i had no idea mm-hmm. that's totally what this is and you can tell that that's the kind of music that the fallen brothers really enjoy and it's cool oh, that yeah. they just do that no matter what system they're on right yeah they were um and that's the thing is it wasn't necessarily that uh that he knew that the game was going to be bad but a big part of the the Fallen Brothers is that they made music in almost both literally and figuratively a different room than the game developers. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, which that's kind of emblematic of a bad production in general. Absolutely. But, that's a good point. But they were completely separate, and they're like, oh, hey, this is the name of the game. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to recreate a Heart of the Sunrise in, in 8-bit. Is that Okay. I just think it's so cool, though, because the way that uh, he implements all this music is just so impressive. Mm -hmm. The music itself is really active and busy, but all the different techniques of how he's able to use these really kind of limited hardware for the NES and make it sound like this full group with all these different instruments and changes. Right. It's something that like in the later years of the NES, you start to hear other composers like Charles Deenan um, and other people like try to <laughs> copy those styles. And I think a lot of those techniques really came from um, Tim's work, especially on the C64, because there's certain techniques with arpeggiation that you hear there. It's definitely a Western computer music sound that you don't hear in Japan in this time. Mm-hmm. So so now I think it's time to move on to the Super Nintendo, and we have a couple awesome Super Nintendo songs. I, mean, I could keep talking about <laughs> prog rock from the 70s. We got to move if on. If you want. We're going to save that for our prog episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to move on to Chrono Trigger, and not surprisingly, this was something that you discovered uh, as far as like a game that has outstanding music, and probably just in general a game that you probably needed to check out at this point. Mm. This is Secret of the Forest, definitely my favorite track up from the soundtrack and one of my favorite Super Nintendo tracks ever. This is composed by Yasunori Matsuda. Let's take a listen to Secret of the Forest. Thank you. 
guys are listening to Secret of the Forest from Chrono Trigger, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. That section there that just came is just, for me, the climax, because you have even more kind of jazzy chords, and it's like, it's, it's like it reminds you that it's a video game, but this, just listen to this part here. Oh, Baseline is, is masterfully composed. It's super jazzy, super classical, beautiful. This is really one of the greats. Yeah, this this right part, the piano part here, is what makes the song for me. For it's sure, just, ah, it's so good. It's just perfect. It just strips forget, away all the textures and ooh. Yeah, you you forget that you're listening to an NES game, yeah, or an SNES game rather. You totally do. You just hear the music. It's, well, it's and also beautiful. the dynamic stuff he's able to do with that piano, dun, 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 dun. like yeah. that's so subtle. And especially when you're using samples that really every single pitch is the exact same sample. Like mm-hmm. it's like an old keyboard or something. So to make that sound convincing, um, it's just super impressive. And I also just love musically the function of having this big kind of layered piece of music with this kind of drum pattern and very spacious and ambience and all the textures kind of grow out of one another till the piece is really big and then you just take it all away and have this little piano part it's so sophisticated and it's something that just never gets old every time i listen to it and it's very ahead of its time so now we're going to move on to another snes soundtrack and this is maybe my favorite track from this game and i'm really glad that this is the one matthew brought in final fantasy 6 composed by of course uimatsu and we're going to play awakening let's take a listen This is um, Awakening from Final Fantasy VI, composed by Uematsu. And it's interesting, this really feels like a companion piece to Secret of the Forest. And when we were playing this, we couldn't help uh, but kind of gabbing a little bit and comparing the tracks. <laughs> and it's unfortunate, but yeah. um, Will was trying to say, like, uh, maybe he likes this more than Secret of the Forest. But they really well, I only are... said that because you were saying that Secret of the Forest, like, this just can't compete. And I'm just yeah. trying to stick up for this one because right. I love no, that this melody. One, I love this one, too. It repeats it's, at the end. it's definitely going for a very different thing. Like, it's a little mm-hmm. bit more straight ahead as far as the fact that, uh, yeah, it has some mystery, it has some wonder. But when that main melody comes in, in typical Final Fantasy fashion, it's just a very kind of simple, beautiful, romantic kind of character piece well, in a lot of and ways. And he uses that melody a lot. There's that one part with the blank, blank, blah, 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 blank, yep. blank version yeah. of it. Um, so yeah. it's used throughout the soundtrack. So. Yeah, it's, um, it's Tara's theme. I did yep. I did a five-part series on Final Fantasy VI's music. <laughs> um, and I learned a lot about it about doing it. That's, I so shout done... out to those, to those uh, yeah, videos. Yeah, check this out. No one else has watched them. So. Um, <laughs> but you can be the first. I would have, I would have chosen... 
Dancing Mad, but Dancing Mad's 15 minutes long, and I figured that was a little bit too much. And yeah. this gets the this gets the the goodness of of Uematsu carried across as well. Well, I'm sure I'm sure our For listeners sure. appreciate that discretion. Well, now <laughs> we're going to move on to the last track in this kind of little era. This is Yoshi's Island, and the track is also called Yoshi's Island. It's the title screen. Really an interesting piece of music, and what's so fun, uh, and Matthew, you might get a kick out of this, is this is one of the tracks in our upcoming Hello World that we, we modeled a track after this track, and that was one of the few that I composed. Gotcha. So there's a track in our second volume of Hello World that is uh, very heavily influenced by this you track. You know, so. Carl, I don't think I've listened to this one since uh, you wrote mm-hmm. your... Um, kind of companion piece to Mm -hmm. this one so it'll be fun to listen to this yeah it'll be fun for me as well this is yoshi's island You guys are listening to Yoshi's Island from Yoshi's Island, composed by Koji Kondo, who Will was saying that he's actually thinks is a little bit overrated when we were playing this track. <laughs> yeah, I just don't get why so many podcasts always have to play Koji Kondo music. I know. It's like, eh, he's not that great. He could be better. Been no, there, I was actually making a definitive statement that Koji Kondo is my favorite composer of all time. That's a big, dramatic statement, but I friggin' mean it. I. Yeah. I don't like anybody yeah, and, better. And what's cool is He's this track, um, this was one of the ones that I kind of was modeled for, for the, the kind of the counterpart to our Hello World album. I, I wrote this, a track that was kind of inspired by this, and it was really fun to do because this is such a different piece of music from the rest of the soundtrack. It's right. so different. So it was fun to kind of go off in a different direction, a little bit more swashbucking, a little bit more tropical, just a really mm-hmm. cool track. Well, and that was a good opportunity for us because it meant that we could just focus on the the instrument kind of differences yes. and rhythmic stuff about this mm-hmm. since it is so unique and you didn't really have to follow the music yeah stuff so in though. our track we have pan flute we have kalimba we have electric bass we have shaker so you know we may or may not sounds. have ocean sounds <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but all the all those snes songs were all tracks that i like i didn't play obviously whenever they came out Right, and I, they were all on lists of mu- of things that people said like you need to play them. So yes. I, 
And I didn't even play Yoshi's Island until not too long ago, but I definitely such a great music, game. So. Well, now we're going to move on to college to today, mm-hmm. the final era in today's episode. And we're going to start things off with Shadow of the Colossus, which came out for the PS2, a perfect system to have in college. This is Revived Power by Ko Otani. You guys are listening to Revived Power from Shadow of the Colossus, one of the one of the Battle with the Colossus themes from this game yes. by Ko Otani. This is a lot more uplifting and bright musically than a lot of the music I've been familiar with from this game. Well, that's the the way that the music works in the game is the game is almost entirely silent, which is really cool. Hmm. Um, but whenever you find the Colossus, there's like every Colossus fight has two tracks. It has the track whenever you first find him, and that's really slow and kind of morose and you're trying to figure out kind of what to do. And then there's like each of the classes have a track like this one where it's like you figured out what you need to do to kill the Colossus. And now like it's time to do it. So this song's like revive power. It's like now you know what you need to do. And that's awesome. And you just go for it. And this song is just relentless. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. Every time we play a track from this game on the podcast, I'm absolutely in love. So we got to figure out yeah. some way to play more some music. Some sort of focus this. on this for sure. So now let's move on for the sake of time to Dragon Quest Eight, And this is a course by Kochi Sujiyama, the wonderful Dragon Quest composer. We're going to play a track called To a Vast World. Here we go. You guys are listening to To a Vast World from Dragon Quest VIII, which came out for the PS2 by the wonderful Sujiyama. Yeah, uh, you really can't kind of emulate 
the chops that this kind of seasoned composer has, you know, coming from the worlds outside of video games, anime, film, you know, mm-hmm. you can really tell when you listen to this based on the orchestration, based on the melodic writing, like this is an absolute masterful composer. Uh, what is it about this track in particular? And maybe talk a little bit about your time with this game. Well, I, that's the thing. I didn't spend a huge amount of time with the game because this game's like 80 hours long and... <laughs> I was spending most of my time playing a game that we're going to be playing music from in a second. Um, awesome. <laughs> but uh, but I did spend a lot of time in the open world, and this is the world map song. So What a beautiful piece. Very, very cool stuff. Love it. Well, now we're going to move on to the game that Matthew was alluding to. This is Mount in Blade Warband, which came out for the PC. I have never heard of this game. The soundtrack <laughs> was by Jesse Hopkins, who I've also never heard of. This is the main theme of the game. Let's take a listen to this, and then we'll talk about it. You guys are listening to the main theme from Mountain Blade Warband. And that's Mount and Blade, not Mountain Blade. Mountain Blade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mounts is in like a horse and Blade like a sword. But Mountain <laughs> Blade is a it's an interesting game. It's definitely different. It doesn't look very good. Like the graphics just are very like almost in 64 style. Ooh. But the game is incredible and it's all it's very medieval and you're on horseback and you're like conquering lands and everything. It's very open-ended. Very nice. But the music in the game's not most of it's not this good. Most of it's not <laughs> orchestrated. Um but this map captures the feeling of the game perfectly. Like it's medieval but it's like medieval in the Hollywood style, sure. like lots of horses, nice, and, and, totally you know, like Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah, yeah, almost honestly, more like 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 old Hollywood, like oh, cool, like Ben Hur or something. Yeah, like Ben Hur. That's a good way. Yeah, yeah. Ben Hur is a good way to, to describe it. I hear that as well. So. Yeah, no, really, a lot of nice orchestral stuff on today's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that that makes sense. That some of this stuff uh, would would kind of come later on in your development. I mean, not that you wouldn't mm-hmm. enjoy that as a kid, but it's definitely something that, um, you know, kind of as your musical ear and kind of your, your skills of listening improved, you're probably more able to appreciate that kind of stuff later. So now we're going to move on to the wonderful Grim Fandango by... This is very um, fitting. Yeah, Be- by one of our favorites, Peter McConnell, one of our favorite guests we've had on the show. Uh, love his work, love the soundtrack. The re-release of this game um, just happened, you mm-hmm. know, very recently, and there's a little bitty documentary that kind of shows Peter and the whole team going back and, you know, re-recording mm-hmm. some of the things where there were uh, fake instruments before, and yeah. it's kind of cool. So there's a, um, a new version of the soundtrack as well. Awesome. Uh, this is High Roller from Grim Fandango, composed by Peter McConnell.
You guys are listening to High Roller from Grim Fandango, composed by Peter McConnell. Now, do you remember the use of this track in the game, Matthew? Yeah, this is during, uh, there's four years, because it's like the four-year journey in the afterlife. But this is the second year, whenever you're a big shot casino owner. Yeah. And this is um, one of the tracks whenever you're running around near the different casinos. So, God, this game is so cool. It's so cool. What other game could you say that about? Oh, yeah, Yeah. you're in the afterlife and you own casinos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is... I love Peter McConnell. This is definitely one of his best ones. He's so much fun. Absolutely great stuff. Well, now this is a really cool pick. I'm really excited for this. It's always (laughs) fun when you're able to play, um, you know, outside music that's really not video game music, but it happened to be a licensed song that was included in a game always fun especially when it's from like the 40s right so so now we're going to play a track that was included in fallout 3 this song is called civilization by the andrew sisters the legendary andrew sisters wonderful harmony wonderful song very cute a lot of like fun kind of skits and like talking as you know was kind of par for the course back in this time let's take a listen to civilization morning a missionary advertised with neon sign he tell the native population that civilization is fine and three educated savages holler from a bamboo tree that civilization is a thing for me to see so bongo 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 i don't want to leave the congo oh no 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 Bingo, bango, bongo, I'm so happy in the jungle I refuse to go. Don't want no bright lights, false teeth, doorbells, landlords, I make it clear. That no matter how they coax him, I'll stay right here. You guys are listening to Civilization, such a fitting track for this game. This is by the Andrews Sisters from Fallout 3. Yeah. Fallout 3 is just that great, like, I- irony is the best way to describe Fallout. Because, you know, it's a post-apocalypse. The world is destroyed and has been destroyed by nuclear bombs hundreds of years before the game. Right. And the only thing that survived was, in terms of a lot of, well, civilization, was music from the 40s. So Absolutely. Yeah. And if anyone is interested, feel free to go on iTunes. And you can buy this track if you go to the album Original Hits the Andrew Sisters, and this song is Civilization. It was composed by Bob Hilliard and Carl Sigmund. Really fun How to How does be able Carl to spell that. his name? With a C, of course. <laughs> Sorry, man. Obviously. As most do. As most do. Uh, at least, yeah. uh, you know, in America, that is. God, I love that. And what's so impressive about the Andrew Sisters and just all music from this time, you know, this was not done nowadays. You know, you can take so many takes and have overdubs and you're in your nice little studio, but right. like... Their all their harmonies was happening live. They were all singing at the same time with each other. Yeah, there are no overdubs so in like the late 40s. I mean, their pitch is spot yeah. on. Their performance is killer. Yeah, so but this, good. This and Mountain Blade is what I spent most of college playing. <laughs> really cool stuff. Well, now we're going to move on to um, the last track we'll talk about in earnest today. Um, this is mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater, and this came. Well, this is PS, still PS2. And, still PS2. Um, this is obviously this is, college is whenever I caught up on a lot of PlayStation Two games. <laughs> this is actually a game I watched one of my friends, the same friend that introduced me to Mountain Blade. I watched him play through it, and honestly, 
Metal Gear is a great Metal Gear Solid are the great game series to watch someone else play yes. and to play yourself. But like, it's like almost like a spectator sport. Yeah, I I remember what was the one that came out for Xbox where it was a kind of like a spinoff. Was it Substance? Subsistence, I think. It might have been that. The um, Twin Snakes was for Twin the GameCube. I remember oh. there was one of them where there was just so many cutscenes that it literally was like I was just watching a movie. That's that's most Metal Gear Solid games. <laughs> this game is very much styled after 60s like spy films, especially James Bond, and you'll hear that in this song. Really cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, so Snake Eater, that's the title track of this game, composed by Norihiko Hibino and Cynthia Harrell. She's the singer. Let's take a listen to Snake Eater. Silence through the night What a thrill I'm searching and I'll melt into you What a fear in my heart But you're so supreme I give my You guys are listening to Snake Eater, which really feels like a James Bond opening song. Composed oh, yeah. by Norhiko Hibino and performed by Cynthia Harrell. Mm-hmm. No, that's the, classic. The, and like whenever this plays in the game, it's after like the intro part. But this is, it looks like a Bond intro. Like it has really? all the crazy colors and everything. Like Hideo Kojima, the guy that designed the game, is like a, a cinephile like it's he's so many movie references and stuff in his games <laughs> yeah. but this is definitely uh, probably one of the most overt ones i mean we owe like, so much to kojima though i mean he like created the stealth genre in video mm-hmm. games more or less yeah that's crazy yeah I, I, what's but, cool about this is this kind of reminds me of obviously old like 60s 70s bond songs when they were a lot more overt and campy and yeah, I kind of wish that they would go back to that, you know, maybe in the next... I mean, I doubt it, you know, because now oh. it's like they, they want to make it really cool and stuff. Uh, but Have, there is you something... You know, the big brass sections and stuff. Yeah, there's something fun about it where it's like you completely take yourself out of the Bond oh, there movie in a way just for the song yeah. and you go, oh, there's the right chord to end it on. Yeah. Perfect. The minor, uh, major, six, and seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Tasty. That's the and secret the, Asian chord. And the backup, the backup singer saying the name of the, the thing eater. constantly. Snake eater. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's pretty, you know, it's supposed to be sexy how they're saying it, right? Not creepy. Oh, yeah. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Carl doesn't like when people whisper in songs. It really affronts him. 
We've talked about this before, haven't we? We have talked about that. Creepy and sexy have our... It's a very thin line. Fine line, yeah. It depends who's saying it. But yeah, no, thanks so much, uh, Matthew, for joining us for our third installment of of Favorites with Friends. And hopefully you guys enjoyed this more kind of individual, personal approach. Just kind of looking at, you know, some of Matt's favorite soundtracks and music. And really, it's kind of we're going through kind of his life, like how he learned to appreciate video game music. Because now... I definitely will say that Matthew is definitely a fellow nerd of video game music. And it's interesting, like, yeah. when you were a little kid, who would have known that that, that would have been the case? Certainly not me. So Well, I, another thing I'm really glad, uh, I hope to introduce more fans of this show to Major Third because, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, I absolutely love it. And the crazy thing is, I mean, video games and game music are all popular and have their little niche communities. But there's really nothing else like Major Third that on YouTube that exists just for video games. I mean, the closest thing would be Extra Credits, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, a mandatory show for anyone that cares about video games and the future of the yeah, medium. Yeah, so if you're a fan of that, you will definitely yeah. Enjoy Absolutely, Major because third, sure. I mean, honestly, dude, your your whole bit on Koji Kondo and Uematsu, I think, is like the best place that you can get all that information on the internet. If you need to just watch one video or right. see one thing about it, well, thanks. That's that's really what I was going for when I when I made the channel was thinking this is something I would really like to see, and it, I figured there's a lot of people in the world, so there's got to be more people than just me that want to see it. So. Well, and I like you. He does all of his kind of research, and they're very well edited and prepared. Mm-hmm. And it's a really yeah. fun time. It's kind of like going to school <laughs> and learning about <laughs> video game music. So yeah. once again, you can follow Matthew on Twitter. Uh, his handle is Major, Major underscore, underscore Third. third. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, so now we're going to play out with Shovel Knight. This is Strike the Earth from Shovel Knight, composed by Jake Kaufman. Before we go, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the impact that this song had on you? Yeah, well, um, this was the video that I did just um, recently, I uh, recently, like a month ago, mm-hmm. but um, was all about this song, and Jake Kaufman actually liked the video, and he, he, awesome. he retweeted it and everything. So that was really incredible, but... But Shovel Knight's uh, like such a great throwback to the NES era and all of right. the greatness of the music in that time. So, and and it's w- like the most recent soundtrack that I've really loved. So I yeah. think it's fitting to to finish this this episode. Absolutely, totally, man. Great choice. Yeah, no. And one we want to give a little shout out once more that Hello World, our upcoming Mario World double album. Uh, when we're recording this, we have one track left, but by the time this comes out, we may be finishing. This comes out on Monday the 6th, so that means next Tuesday our album drops, so we're really excited for everyone to hear it. Next week on the podcast, we have Remix 3, the third time we're going to be showcasing some outstanding video game remixes. Carl, are we going to be featuring any original remixes, things that we may, you or I have done? I believe we are going to feature a couple of those for sure. So once again, uh, thanks for listening, guys. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And I'm Matthew Tusseroni, otherwise known as Major Third. Nice. Well, have a great week, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Peace out. Peace out.